Are you, like pretty much every parent of younger kids I know, looking for a smart entertainment option for your kids? Designed for kids ages 6 and up, Mysteries About True Histories, also known as Math, How Smart Is That?, is a weekly podcast full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and humor. And while kids will enjoy the stories anchored around characters like troublesome trolls, pirate queens, and mysterious aunts, adults can benefit too. I admittedly delighted in learning a thing or two about Pythagoras and triangles in one episode. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code-breaking, pattern-solving, and more, all weaving humor in with education to make learning fun. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a great length for transition times during the day or a bedtime treat. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, your host, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you will come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Hello, friends. I want and need to start this episode with an apology. I received a message from a listener who, with kindness and compassion, wrote regarding my use of the word powwow in reference to a point where I was talking about meetings in my first episode of the year, Embracing Micro Goals. The term powwow is indigenous in origin, a reference to ceremony and celebration, including dance, food, art, and music. The term is one that has been appropriated to refer casually to social or business gatherings or meetups. I was shocked and horrified when I read that message. My first thought was, oh my goodness, I said that on air? How is that possible? And I felt this way because over the years, I've worked actively, continually on unlearning appropriations just like this one. I immediately wrote the listener back, apologizing for and owning my on-air slip and thanking them for flagging it. They were kind and gracious in response. If you are the listener who wrote in and are hearing this message, thank you for communicating with me with compassion. I appreciate it so much. Over the next day or two, I kept thinking about this slip. I couldn't quite bring myself to go back and replay the episode to find it, but I sure did cringe every time I thought about it. Why? Because I spent the first couple of decades of my life working to assimilate in predominantly white communities as a means of what felt like survival. Because due to the communities in which I lived, I was privy to all manner of appropriations. Because I have cringed at plenty of insults and aggressions directed towards my Asian culture. And because as someone who has been creating digital content since 2006, 17 years, one of the things that I've appreciated the most, even when it stings, is when a reader or listener or viewer calls me on something like this so I continue to evolve and grow and do better. That's why I'm addressing this directly here on the air before we get started. 
I can't promise to never make another mistake on air, but I can promise that I will keep trying to take great care with my words. Continued learning and action around language is crucial and is something we can all do together. As another example, one of the best lessons I learned about language that is respectful and acknowledging of non-binary identities is a piece of advice I received from my dear friend Casey Brown. They said, when you make a mistake, just apologize and keep practicing, even when you are awkward, even when you stumble. Because with awareness and practice, unlearning and respectful progress is possible and will better us all. We have the gift of so many words at our disposal. Words are amazing. I love words. So in this particular example, the next time you feel compelled to say powwow casually, not in reference to indigenous culture, choose meeting or get together or meetup or session or huddle or brainstorm. We'll be right back. Understood is a resource I have recommended for many years to parents looking for support with learning and thinking differences such as ADHD, dyslexia, and more. And I'm subsequently excited to tell you about their podcast, Understood Explains. This season, the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. They cover topics such as how to tell if your child needs an IEP, common myths about special education, and the difference between IEPs and 504 plans. I love how Understood Explains breaks down the overwhelm by unpacking an important topic each season and then drilling down further into key basics in each episode. Most episodes are between 10 to 15 minutes, and episodes are available in both English and Spanish. So fantastic, right? To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains wherever you get your podcasts. Did you know that hyaluronic acid naturally occurs in our skin, but decreases gradually as we age, leading to thinner, drier skin? If you're looking for support hydrating your skin from the inside out, check out one of the tools in my hydration arsenal, Rituals Hyacera, which I take every morning. Rituals products are tested and validated by a third party for allergens, microbes, and heavy metals, and Hyacera is clinically proven to reduce fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. They also engage in industry-leading sustainability standards and are a female-founded B Corp, which means they hold themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. Want to join me in hydrating from the inside out? Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com edit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com edit for 25% off. So friendship reboot tactics. As ever, I want to give you some backstory on why I wanted to record this episode. Friendship is a sticky subject for me. I both love my friends and deeply believe in friendship, and it is an area where I carry historical sensitivity. When I was younger, I so deeply desired friendship, but as an Asian kid and one from a house of chaos, I wasn't exactly a desirable friend socially. I could feel that very palpably from other kids and also their families. As a kid, I also was not in a position to have friends over, whether for playdates or birthday parties. 
This might have been part cultural, but it was also due to resources and supervision, which set up an awkward, potentially non-reciprocal dynamic with other families. As an adult, I've had several instances where I've had female friends tell me that I'm not a good enough friend, that I did not show up enough in my relationships. As a young adult in particular, at a time when I had zero emotional fluency and also was mired in a long-term abusive relationship, I just didn't have the communication skills to listen and work through things. The only way I could function was to absorb that hurt, grimace, and say something like, well, okay then, it doesn't look like I can give you what you need, so goodbye. It still stings to think about young adult Christine and how painful life was back then. And yet, I also issue compassion and forgiveness in her direction because she did not have the tools in her toolbox to work through challenging conversations like these. And I also hold compassion and forgiveness for the people on the other side of these conversations. Back then, I was angry that I was being judged and demeaned, but now I know that it was a lot more complicated. If there is one uncertainty I am certain of, it is that there likely was plenty unsaid stories and issues not surfaced that could have helped inform and helped those relationships heal. And yet, we were all young. We were doing the best that we could in the moment. Now, I mentioned youth, and those particular examples were back in my early 20s, but it's very important to note that I continue to be a work in progress. In just the past year alone, I have had two significant blow-ups with friends who I care deeply about. Both situations made me furious and left me mucking through my old patterns of assumptions and anger that I needed to do some pretty considerable work around. And I don't think I am alone in these struggles. I recently talked with another friend about how it's not just the kids who are suffering through social situations. It's the adults, too. I guess my point is, being a human being, privy to the gifts of friendship, means that there will always be a lot of issues on the table. We are complex mammals. This is just how it is. And whether it's technology or the pandemic or something else, it means we'll have challenges and work to do. In my ruminations about friendship, I've thought a lot about personal triggers and patterns in terms of how those things color my interactions and what I need to be aware of. I think this reflection would also be helpful for you to think through, so I wanted to share where I'm at. There's certainly probably more to be uncovered, but here's what I know so far. First, I am sensitive due to the aforementioned history. It most definitely colors the strength of my reaction to anything that smells vaguely or directly of a questioning of how I show up as a friend. Related to this, I'm still working on my emotional toolbox, but I am, in fact, more evolved now than I was as a young adult. Even if I'm struggling and stewing, even if my face is shut down and blank in the face of intense discomfort, this is an actual thing for me, I am still able to listen and take time to consider the situation as more than just criticism. Thus, not simply saying, well, okay, then it doesn't look like I can give you what you need. So goodbye. It just might take me longer to get through that process. Over the last few months in thinking through and evaluating the relationships that feel fun and easy to me, 
I've also realized that it's harder for me to relate in friendships where the circumstances of our lives are really different. I'm in a phase of life where I have the very real pressure and need to earn a living to sustain my family. I'm raising humans and an animal, navigating my kids through the major transitions of being at college and being a tween. I wear different business hats. I'm starting to deal with caregiver issues. None of this is unusual, and it impacts my ability to keep on top of communication. Another factor, I definitely struggle with an out-of-sight, out-of-mind thing. I've realized that if I'm not actively working with people, I lose touch. If I don't see them around the neighborhood, I lose touch. If I'm not on social media that much, I lose touch. This is just my reality. Another thing, my own stressors, whatever I'm going through in a given day or week, can color how I communicate. So I've realized if I'm feeling very upset about something in the moment and feel that I need to express myself still, it's probably best to pause and let a little time pass and a little heat dissipate before responding. All of this is to say that I am a work in progress and that friendship requires intentionality. The funny thing is, just as I was drafting the notes for this show, my friend Kristen sent me an Instagram reel with Jane Fonda saying the exact same thing. I will link that reel in the notes, but I guess I just wanted to say, I see you, Jane. Finally, prioritizing your friendships is such an important thing for all of us. And I was just reminded this week that kids are always watching And it's a real good thing to model the importance of human connection, especially at a time when many kids are feeling isolated or diving deeper down the digital rabbit hole. This particular week, I was in a very low place and was definitely just trying to hold things together and soldier on, especially in the evening after work. Two days in a row, my 11-year-old Violet asked me if I was okay saying that she was worried because I looked so sad. It makes me a little teary just thinking of that, actually. I was, on the one hand, shocked. I was really trying to clamp down on those feelings, lol. (laughs) But on the other hand, Vi is an old, perceptive soul. I shouldn't have been surprised. But then she surprised me again and asked, have you seen a friend yet this week? I must have looked confused because she reminded me that a couple of weeks ago, I had told her how I was trying to connect with friends better because it made me happy. This is another thing I talked about in the Embracing Micro Goals episode. Okay, out of the mouth of babes, we're going to take a quick break and I will be back to talk about friendship reboot tactics. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell?, laughing in the face of motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. 
No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Okay, friends, let's get into our tactics. I want to start by saying two things, and then I have eight of them for you. First, what I will share with you now are all reflective of organic moments in time where I've made a decision to do something and it felt really nourishing and wonderful. Part of this is me trying to be intentional about social connection, as I talked about in the Embracing Micro Goals episode. And actually, it occurs to me that there really haven't been any social connection tactics that I've tried recently that have felt terrible. This is great news. The point is, connecting is a good and positive thing, even if there are moments of awkwardness. Second, I am not suggesting you prescriptively try to do all of these things. Pick and choose what feels like it will work for you. Okay, let's get to it. So my first recommendation is going to be pretty tactical. I find personally that one thing that is very challenging about digital life is the many streams through which communication comes in. Social media DMs, phone calls, text, email. I'm still not perfect at this, but one thing I have been working on, which helps a lot, is that since my to-do app is always one click away, when I don't have time to respond to something in the moment that I see it, but I know I want to respond, I just toss a quick to-do on my app that says the name of the person and the platform of communication so I know where to go. (laughs) So it literally could just say, Sarah, text. This has helped me a lot, especially during the busy work week when I am project and attention switching constantly and I'm more prone to losing track of communication. My second tactic is to embrace what I'm calling the 15-minute I love you session. (laughs) Recently, I was struggling to find long overdue time to connect with a friend. And then we had it scheduled, and I had a meeting preceding that session that was running long. Ultimately, by the time I was ready to get on the line, I knew we only had 15 minutes before she needed to go to her next call. And I thought about rescheduling it, and then I was like, Carpe diem, and suggested we just hop on for a short I love you session. It was so wonderful to see this friend's face, and we just did a really lightning fast catch up. And it felt so nourishing that we did follow up and connect for a full hour the following week, which was just wonderful. Third, I want to recommend that you connect instead of scroll. So the other day at soccer practice, I was running a little late, so we were late to practice, and the window was too short to make it worth driving home and driving back again to pick up. So my reflexive response would typically be to scroll and sit in my car, 
But I picked up my voicemail and realized I had a message from a friend from a few days back that I had forgotten to pick up. And I decided to call her. I need to note that I'm not a phone person. Not sure why, because once I actually start talking to people, I enjoy talking to people on the phone, but I'm so much of a not phone person that I never have my ringer on. <laughs> like literally, it's not on ever. And when I call friends, they often pick up and say, oh my gosh, is everything okay? Because they think it's an emergency. That's how often I initiate phone calls. <laughs> so anyway, I ended up calling my friend. She was thrilled to hear from me. We had a wonderful 45-minute check-in, and I am so glad I opted to use the freaking phone. My next recommendation is one that kind of requires the moment to be right for both parties, but I want to recommend it because last week I reached out to one of my nearest and dearest friends who I haven't had a ton of communication with lately, and I wanted to ask her just a fun question. She happened to respond very quickly. And so we just had a quick little text storm back and forth, maybe over a dozen texts. But it was so quick and so simple and so fun to feel connected again that way. And it was just so easy. So I want to recommend a quick text storm. My fifth recommendation is to go old school and send a note in the mail. Obviously, personal mail means so much more these days, and there is really a lot of power in old-fashioned letters. Years ago, actually, I had a dream about one of the women with whom my friendship blew up, one of those people I referred to from my 20s, and I decided to write her a letter with zero expectation about hearing back from her. I just wanted to explain my circumstances at the time, what I referred to as untold stories and circumstances. I wanted to apologize for my role in the meltdown and then just tell her that she had showed up in my dream and I wished her every happiness. It was a really healing exercise for me. Similarly, this past fall, I sent a letter where the intent was apology and repair and I was awkward and <laughs> just doing the best I could and it was really healing to send it. And also proved to be very meaningful to the recipient. So old school, give it a try. My sixth recommendation is to embrace last minute planning. Longtime listeners will know that I used to be a very plan in advance type of person. And that I've learned, thanks to my partnership with my husband, that last minute plans don't always mean that you are a commitment phobe or flaky, but they represent a beautiful, powerful opportunity to act on how you are actually feeling in the moment. As in, do I really right this second want to do this or not? So last week, on a weekday even, I texted a friend and asked if she was around that evening and if she wanted to go grab a drink. The idea was easy, non-committal, light lift for both parties, super casual. She said, oh my goodness, yes, and then asked about grabbing food too. So we ended up having just a wonderful hangout. I swear the food tasted even better because I did not have to cook it. And it was just so nourishing to laugh and talk in person, even when we were addressing challenging things. My next recommendation is also a bit of a specific situation, 
but I wanted to share it in case a scenario similar to this one crops up in your life. The general concept is to double up the love. So I have to confess that even as a writer, book events are not my favorite. Oh my gosh, it sounds so terrible to say that out loud. But I actually think it's mostly a logistical thing. Book events are often on weeknights, and I'm usually really tired at the end of a busy workday and want to crawl into my PJs. So I have a local writer friend named Ilion Wu. I met her through my very good friend, Kristen Hobson, who is the sprinkle scientist with whom I decorate cookies if you follow me on Instagram. And Ilion emailed some friends about her upcoming book, Master Slave, Husband, Wife. The book looks fascinating, by the way. It is the true story of William and Ellen Craft, a couple who escaped slavery through disguise, with the wife passing as a wealthy, disabled white man and the husband posing as his, in air quotes, slave. Fascinating, right? Anyway, given the nature of the book, which I can't wait to read, and my affection for Ilion, and my love for Kristen, the woman who introduced us, I decided to be an adult and potentially not be in my PJs by 7 p.m. on a weeknight. So I asked Kristen if she wanted to go to the book event to cheer Ilion on, and I suggested that if she had time, we grab a bite in Harvard Square beforehand. I'm recording this episode before the actual event, but I am already so excited about this double dose of love on my calendar. I just can't wait. Also, I'll link up Ilion's book in the show notes so you've got that. I hope you can find an opportunity for a double dose of love on your calendar soon. Finally, I want to close with a tactical thing that might sound a little hokey, but is great if you appreciate alliteration, as I do, as well as some external motivation and structure. And if you heard about my desire to get a handle on my inbox in my Embracing Micro Goals episode. So Fridays tend to be a workday where I have a little more breathing room in my schedule. And so last week I realized this is the perfect day of the week for me to think of it as Friend Friday in relation to my inbox. All this means is I just take 20 or so minutes to spin through my different inboxes and respond to emails from friends, messages that are overdue, messages that have just come in, whatever. I started this last week, and it just felt so good. 20 minutes, Friend Friday, give it a try. Now, I really hope that the framing and all the tactics, I hope this has been helpful. And I want to throw out that if you have questions or friendship topics you're curious about me exploring more deeply, do let me know. I actually do know some experts who have written and researched the topic of friendship, but today I wanted to focus on specific tactics I've tried and found really nourishing. But who knows? Maybe an expert interview is in the cards for the future. So give me a shout if something comes to mind. For your next edit, I want to invite you to think about a friendship that has carried some tension for you, whether addressed or not, and consider a simple way to reach out. Obviously, it's a little difficult to make a blanket directive here because relationship circumstances vary a lot. But what I'm thinking is just, if it feels comfortable, a simple thinking of you text, 
even a gif, if that's where the relationship goes, whatever it may be. But just to try to take the first step of repair for a relationship you care about that needs it. Okay, friends, you'll find the show notes for this episode, including links to resources and related episodes at edityourlifeshow.com. As ever, I would love to hear your thoughts and questions. Come say hello on Instagram or Facebook at Edit Your Life Show or send an email to edityourlifeshow at gmail.com. I would also be grateful if you would drop Edit Your Life, a review on Apple Podcasts, or tell a pod-loving friend about the show. Thanks for listening. Hey, are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts.